Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us as Pastor Tim continues his message entitled, Growing Stronger in Grace, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Getting stronger means exercise. Getting stronger in the grace that is in Christ Jesus takes an exercise of faith and an exercise in faith. Listen as Tim shares three bits of a workout regime to help you grow stronger in grace. Here's Pastor Tim. So let me, let me share with you tonight four great workouts, <laughs> if we can, as we go through, and we'll just kind of hone in on this verse for tonight. What does it mean to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Here's some exercises for you. Number one, strengthen your core. Strengthen your core. You'll find some fitness folks telling you that time and time and time again. Strengthen your core. Strengthen your core. Well, what is the core of Christianity? The core of Christianity is the gospel. And, 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 you know, we mentioned a while ago, both grace and gospel have become sort of church and denominational buzzwords. That's not, it's not what it's intended to be. The reason, though, why it has become a buzzword is because grace and the gospel, that is the thing. It's, it's, it's why we are who we are, with a genuine, real understanding of what that is. So when I'm talking about strengthening your core, what I'm really talking about is you need to be clear on the basics of the gospel. Be clear on what that is. We have moved this word gospel into meaning almost anything and everything that we do as a church, and that's not the case. Now, yes, it is supposedly because of the gospel that we're involved in all of these different activities. But the activities are not the gospel. You know, we're getting ready for Annie Armstrong. Is that, is, is, is that important? Yes, that's important. It's important to keep our missionaries around. But is Annie Armstrong the gospel? No. It's, it's important, some of these projects that we just did, the, soup, the soups that we gathered together to feed those that are hungry. Is feeding the hungry, uh, 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 is that the gospel? No, it's not the gospel. It is the outpouring of the gospel. Once I understand the gospel and understand grace, now I want to extend that then to somebody else. Is, is making sure that children have beds. Is that the gospel? No, that's not the gospel. But it's because of the gospel that we care about children. Any kind of efforts these, in, in these last few days about Ukraine and Russia and all of that that's going on, is that the gospel? No. It's not the gospel. It's because of the gospel that we care about people in Ukraine. The gospel is just this. It is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus as the only means of my salvation. That's the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and you go mark those first four verses. And Paul will define exactly for you what the gospel is. It is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and that's all. I need to be clear about that. 
Why, Tim? Why, why is that so important? Because when I then say, or somebody says to me, Tim, you need to be more active in sharing the gospel with people. That doesn't mean, Tim, you need to bring more soup. It doesn't mean, Tim, you need to pray harder for people. Should I bring soup? Sure. Should I pray harder for people? Yes. But if I'm going to share the gospel with somebody, then I am telling them about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus that is their only means of salvation. We have to be clear about that. Of Too many of our Christian denominations are those who call themselves Christians, like the Catholics or the Seventh-day Adventists, even the Mormons, frankly, even some of our Southern Baptists who miss the very basics of the gospel. And it's not just that we have watered it down, we have redefined it. To this Corinthian church, Paul warns them about those who come preaching another Jesus. It's another of a different kind. Remember, there are two different words for another in your New Testament. One is another of the same kind, the other is another of a different kind. When Jesus says and promises the Holy Spirit, He says, I am sending you another helper. It's another of the same kind. What He's saying is, I am sending you a helper. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And He has the very same nature that I have. As I am God, He is God. As I am a part of that Trinity, He is a part of that Trinity. He is me, so to speak. It's another of the same kind. This is another of a different kind. If somebody comes preaching another Jesus he talks about, it's not the Jesus with a divine nature. It's the Jesus who's a good teacher. The Jesus who is a good prophet. The Jesus who is anything less than the infinite God-man. Paul warns them about those who are preaching another Jesus, who those who are preaching are offering to them a different spirit, those who are offering a different gospel. That same groups he speaks to even more sharply to the, to the Galatians as a part of that passage where he talks about who has, who has bewitched you. Listen to this. This is out of Galatians chapter 1, and it's four different verses. It's verses 6 through 10. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven Preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be accursed or let him be anathema. Let him be cast away. He says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what, we, than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please me, and I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In the smallest of nutshells, this is the problem in the Southern Baptist Convention. We have moved away from the gospel, 
And we have moved away from what it really means to be an evangelistic denomination, counting our baptisms. You know why we don't count our baptisms hardly anymore? Because they're in decline. And nobody wants to stand before a national group and show anything in decline. And so instead of saying, hey, for the last, <laughs> you know, for the last 50 years, we're not baptizing what we've done 50 years before that. And there are more people here now. And there are more resources available now. And there's a, greater, there's a greater means of getting the gospel out. And yet we still baptize fewer and fewer and fewer. So what do we do? We stop talking about baptisms and we redefine the gospel. It makes me mad. So Paul's exhorting Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And you can't be strong in grace without understanding the gospel. The two are inseparable. You don't have a gospel without grace. And you really don't have real grace without the gospel. You've got to be clear on those terms. So strengthen your core. Be clear on the basics of the gospel. Let me give you a second exercise. Burn in your cardio. Burn that cardio. Make it hurt, make it sweat, right? Cardio, we're talking about your heart. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about grace. We're talking about a heart issue. We're talking about Christ doing a transforming work in your heart that shows up on the outside. We're not just talking about you doing for the Lord. We're talking about Him bringing about transformation in your heart and in your life. Now, here's the problem that we face oftentimes as people. We, we, we hear the gospel and we are, we are drawn to that and so we want, to give our, we want to give our lives to Jesus. We want to go to heaven when we die, right? But yet now somehow we begin to think that I have to keep all these do's and don'ts in order to stay a good Christian. Now, are there things that will harm your testimony? You better believe it. But what we're talking about is the very heart of this issue. People want to be right with God without ever dealing with their heart. You know? It's one thing to walk down the aisle... Take the preacher by the hand. That's scary. Man, that's scary stuff. I wouldn't even want to come see me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> to go through baptism. You know? Th th those are important elements. That doesn't save anybody. We're talking about, we're talking about burning cardio. We're talking about staying clear of legalistic compromises. In other words... I don't want to do the difficult work of being transparent before God. I would rather have a set of do's and don'ts. No matter how difficult the do's and don'ts are, in our minds, the do's and the don'ts are far easier to, to categorize than to deal with the heart. 
I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have to, um, yeah, I don't want to have to come clean before God. I just want to, I just want to do stuff, you know. Seems like we as American Christians, especially, are are um, are susceptible to that because we we think about as Americans, you know, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You know, we talk about someone being a self-made man or a self-made woman. There's no such thing in in the Christian life. There's just not. Um, Dean and I were talking about this the other day uh, when Juliana was really little. She didn't want you doing anything for her. You know, don't do anything. She said, I do it all my myself. <laughs> that seems to be the approach that we take, doesn't it? You know? I can be right with God. I do it all my myself. I can be holy. I be holy all my myself. I, I can be righteous. I be righteous all my myself. It just doesn't work that way. You can think it, but it just didn't so. We naturally lean towards legalism. And if you want a good definition of legalism, here it is. It's an attempt to be holy by keeping certain standards, even though most of the time those standards are man-made and they're not scriptural. All right? So it is my attempt to be holy by keeping certain standards without dealing with my heart before God. We pray for revival. But until you're really ready to do the work of God, or the work concerning your heart before God, being open and honest and transparent and meek and humble before Him, revival's not going to come. Legalism will never lead you to righteousness or holiness or revival, or any of those things, because it only deals with the superficial. It's the Pharisees who are worried more about the outside of the cup than the stuff that's going in the cup. You know? It might look like righteousness when you compare yourselves with somebody else, but it's just not genuine. You know, the person who says that they're committed to fitness, that they want to exercise, that they want to become strong, Sometimes those folks are really only interested in appearance. And if so, then they're going to skimp in their dedication. They're going to compromise and lean into those legalistic activities, and that's a dangerous approach, isn't it? If you want to be strong in the Lord, in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, then you've got to do the hard work of paying attention to your heart and dealing honestly with God. Number three. This time you get to run. Run from your cravings. Paul, Paul will write it this way in just a few verses from now. Flee. Flee youthful lusts. We always think about those things being sexual in nature. It's not. It's just anything that is um, anything that's immature, anything that is childish that we talked about some this morning. He says to run from that, to starve those cravings. What do I mean by that? If we're using that word clear again, it means to keep clear of habitual sins. It's what the writer of Hebrews writes about in chapter 12 and verse number 1 when he says to lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us or entraps us. Those things that you seem to be more susceptible to than anything else. Everybody's got it, don't they? There, there's some of those sins that just seem to have a greater hold on us than it does some other things. You're, you'll find some believers, they don't struggle with what you struggle with, not one bit. But you do. But didn't say anything to that neighbor of yours that didn't struggle with that one. He says to you, lay it aside. Flee from it. Run away from it. Your heart craves sinfulness. It craves the issues of the flesh. You have to be able to say no. You know? Exercise and trying to be fit is one thing. But you can't out-exercise a bad diet, can you? Testimony. <laughs> you just can't. I like the salty stuff, and I like it at night. You know, that's a bad combination. There's some things in our lives that are bad combinations that we just have to be willing to lay aside and get rid of it. Run away from those cravings. And then number four, exercise with a coach. Exercise with a coach. You're not intended to do this by yourself. We've said it before, and we'll say it again. You cannot live the Christian life. You can't. It's not intended that way. It's intended for him to live his life through you. So you're exercising with a coach. What I mean is you are to be clear about his sufficiency versus your weakness. You know, inferred in this verse, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, is the implication that without him that we're weak in and of ourselves. If I don't understand my own weakness, then why would I even bother to look for strength? And especially, why would I look for strength in somebody else? Maybe I should just hone my own strengths. It's not the way it works in Christian life, is it? You don't exercise your faith in a vacuum. You don't exercise your faith in isolation. Instead, you have to learn to rely on Jesus. And rely on the fact that He is sufficient in all things. Like this, you know, maybe we ask the same question that Paul asked when he says, Who is sufficient for these things? When it comes to the Christian life, I'm not. I'm not sufficient for that. It just reminds me of my own weaknesses. It reminds me of my own great deep need. And so I go back to the same verse that I told you about a little bit earlier. Where God says to Paul, after he asked God three different times to take that thorn in the flesh away from him. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. We need to learn to lean on the power and the presence and the strength and the sufficiency of Christ and of Christ alone. That verse, maybe you need to kind of get this one down. He says, it is my grace 
that is sufficient for you in your need. I'm never looking really to come to a point to where I am sufficient to meet my own need. It's His grace that's sufficient for me in all things. That's how you become strong. Timothy needs it if he's going to be a good pastor. He needs it. If you're going to be a believer, then you need it too, don't you? Let's pray. Jesus, I freely admit tonight my own weakness before you. The struggles that I have in my own life and the the temptations that come knocking. Those things are real and I recognize my weakness in them. I need you. I need you. We sing that song about every hour I need you. (laughs) Every minute I need you. Every second I need you. Every moment I need you. Father, would you help us to come to an end of ourselves? To not think so highly about who we are and what what we think we are but really to rely upon you to be our strength when we really need it. Jesus, I pray your blessings over our church. We want revival. Help us to do those things that are necessary to make the atmosphere favorable whereby you might pour out your spirit that you might grant to your people grace freely to help them do what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you want to come to the altar, you can. If I can pray with you, I will. But let's stand together. We'll pray, we'll sing, we'll do. You ready? This year at Brit Dayton, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.